Welcome to the RevOps Baddie, where I bring you face-to-face with the badasses of the industry and uncover their secrets to success. Each week, I'll be diving into the minds of top leaders and experts to uncover their ideas, advice, and lessons learned around sales, marketing, customer success, and how they all come together to drive revenue growth. If you're ready to level up your RevOps game, then this is the podcast for you. So grab your headphones, buckle up, and get ready to join us on a journey to discover what it takes to become a true RevOps baddie. Welcome back to another episode of the RevOps Baddie. On today's episode, we have Stuart Watson, who is the owner of East Peak Advisors. And today we're talking all about scaling sales organizations and of course, RevOps. So Stuart, thank you so much for being with us today. Brianna, thanks for having me. Uh, Pleasure to be here. So before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, who you are and what you do? Great. Well, I guess maybe most importantly, a father of two young sons and, um, husband and my beautiful wife, Christine, and, and we live here in Marin County, California. But I think for uh, you know what, what's most important to this podcast is I have been selling, managing, and operating in SaaS for a little over 12 years. Most recently, I've been leading in the SDR space. So I'm sure that's where most of our conversation will go down today. But I've been a first, second, and third line leader of SDRs for a little over seven years. Um, and before that, I carried a bag for about five. Wow. And so what sparked your interest in focusing on building, scaling, and operating inside sales organizations? Probably like a lot of people listening to this podcast, uh, I graduated at the very start of the uh, Great Recession. My particular major, there weren't a lot of jobs available for, as, a, as a marketing concentration major. And you know, not even nepotism could get me a job. Like my, my dad was in commercial real estate. So I was kind of out of luck. And I actually had to end up working for um, the big green machine, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, for about a year and a half. And finally got the attention of what was a, then a really cool bootstrapped tech company called Shopatron. So shout out to anyone out there uh, remembers that company, but yeah, so I kind of came in with a vengeance as an SDR and I kind of had a chip on my shoulder, you know, that I didn't get to apply my uh, degree and do this stuff. I ended up being the top SDR in the business pretty shortly, probably a month or two in. And then, um, I actually got picked to be a player coach, um, and go lead a team in the UK. So really formative experience back in 2012. I would have loved to keep going down that path. Um, but unfortunately one of the sellers, uh, back in HQ was doing side deals. <laughs> and I got uh, rapidly recalled to be what, one of the younger sellers in the business. So went down a journey of carrying a bag for about five years. After that, I was actually one of the first sellers at Glassdoor. So grew with that company for about 100 to 900 employees. And then after taking on a new challenge at, at New Relic, um, they kind of said something like, hey, haven't you done this before? Um, can you do it for us again? And so that was really my pivot back into SDR and I've really been doing that ever since. Yeah. And you've, you've been a focus in SaaS, right? Like the technology. So for technology and RevOps, especially in the realm of modern sales ops, um, what are one or two tech solutions that you've seen to be game changers for you? Especially since you've been doing this for so long. And if it's hard to pick just two, you can just rattle off a couple that you love. So I'm trying to think, you know, in terms of your question, you know, for the audience, like, are we talking about tools that they themselves should check out today or some new uh, GPT-4 wrapper or something or something that was like really transformative. I think I'll kind of give it, I'll give an answer for both. Like, I think honestly, like when Zoom Info came on the scene and uh, Discover Org 
that was like unbelievable in terms of like our efficiency and just having like that good of contact information. When I started as an SDR, the CEO did not believe that or did not, uh, yeah, didn't believe that you could book a meeting over email. So very phone heavy, you know, it was practically like, you know, using faxes and going from that with uh, kind of an off-label CRM to just the modernization of the stack has been pretty wild. What is a tool? Honestly, like, you know, I think, you know, the gongs of the world, a lot of this, like, even pre-large language model AI-oriented stuff has been such a game changer, I think, for me in terms of coaching, where you can go in and you can be like, oh, wow, you know, that moment you did this, um, I think there's an opportunity to do that. Did you notice that you're hogging, like, two-thirds of the call? Like, they should be talking for two thirds. I think, I think a lot of the AI driven coaching tools have been pretty powerful. The platforms like sales loft and outreach have, have been a big deal. But I think actually like to a counterpoint, a trend I've seen that is like a little worrisome for me. And maybe this is because I'm like a curmudgeon is a lot of these tools like the outreaches of the world and the sales lofts and the auto dialers and the orums and things. It like really lets SDRs just an untrained SDR can just cause such havoc and damage at scale. I think there's like a natural friction to at least having to like punch in nine numbers or 10 numbers and just be like, okay, like, let me think about this and get through the phone tree and like gather yourself to do that as opposed to this like machine gun approach. So I think any, any tool that can like help an SDR, like add context to the conversation and hold them to account in terms of like appropriate follow-up is, is, you know, really valuable in my book. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you're saying. It's, I think it, all the AI stuff is really valuable and interesting if it's used in the sense of like gathering data to enhance the conversations that you're having, but it's not a replacement of the conversations or email. It is something just to help enhance you. Just use the repetitive word, I guess, but, um, arm you. That's what I was thinking. Like arm you with more capabilities when you're, when you're having these conversations or you're writing that email. So it does give more of a customized, personalized approach. You talked about being a player coach, having gong, being that coach. How important do you think people in culture is for building high performing teams? I think it's, I think it's table stakes because, you know, you've heard this said enough, it's quote unquote, one of the hardest jobs in the company and things like this with, with SDRs and stuff. But really like there is this social contract where we are asking people that are relatively recent out of university to do what's a pretty tough job to get a lot of no's. And the average tenure of this role has gone from like 14 months to closer to like 18 months on average. But you know, you're not long for this role. It's tough and it kind of grinds people out. And so to do that, like you need to have the esprit de corps and the trust that they know and believe like you're going to develop them, you're going to unlock doors, you're going to be a reference for them. Like that's just like total table stakes. And if, if you can't do that for them, it's just going to be really hard to get it to come along, particularly in a world where a lot of these roles are, are hybrid or fully remote, which which actually like makes it really hard for early stage career SDRs in my opinion. So when you're looking at a company that might be scaling really quickly, what is your advice for you know, preventing everything that happens when you scale, especially go-to-market SDR um, side of the house. Like, is it technology? Is it discipline? Is it having the workflow and process? Is it RevOps? Like what really enables us as companies to scale significantly without impacting our numbers or our members of our company? Hmm. I think, and you know, I'm talking to a lot of my clients right now about the same thing, but I think the most 
common failure mode. There's a lot of these, like what some people are calling like post growth companies. So in the zero interest rate phenomenon, these are companies that were spending like a dollar twenty to get a dollar in revenue. And yeah, like why not have like a really underutilized like hundred percent SDR org or you know fifty percent SDR org? Like no one's ever analyzed like are you actually making gross profit contribution? Is that a great source of the business? Can it be optimized? Same goes for you know all the other segments of the business. And so the pendulum has swung back the other way, where um, you're seeing a lot of layoffs at the SDR orgs, but you know, if you listen to like Chris Walker or LinkedIn or other kind of like thought leaders in the space, like a lot of these businesses actually don't even have the capacity to bring on business outside of sellers doing all the direct prospecting themselves or SDRs doing it. So on paper, it might look like it's the most brute force way of doing it. But a lot of times these businesses actually haven't created the musculature in the business to have like a sales assisted, you know, product led growth motion or like a really effective like DG motion that that fills the pipeline. And so like SDRs are super crucial with that. To go back to my earlier point, um, the failure mode I see is the company is maybe like a series A, series B business. Uh, they have pretty good green shoots around product market fit that they found and they've got a new round and they're saying, okay, time to grow. Or we've hit some account executive productivity modeling and like now we need SDRs to go after it. And the mistake a lot of them make is that they hire maybe like a first time SDR leader or they promote someone internally. And now they're rolling up to a VP of marketing or VP of sales. This person has never managed an SDR org before. And we just hired a whole group of SDRs. And so you've just put this huge remit on this new leader where they're like, okay, you're responsible for like 20% of all new closed pipeline for fiscal year 24. And you're going to do, you know, you have to do this and that and this. And it's just like, they underestimate like by its very nature. These are junior people led by junior leaders and they're led by people that have led these teams before. And so there's just like all these failure modes that spin out of that. Um, and so like, how do you fix that? I think like, it's okay to go a little slower. Have you ever heard of something called the Solera effect? No, it's that. So they do this in like port wine. I think they do it with balsamic vinegar too. But like in Spain and, and um, Italy and elsewhere, they'll have like some giant barrel and like it's like 100 gallons or 200 gallons or, you know, whatever. And they take out a couple gallons of the blended product and then they put in the fresh product. Oh, I have heard of this. I yeah. Know that was the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of my mental model of like really effective SDR organizations. Like we're not in this zero interest rate phenomenon where the opportunity cost is like not talking to every single person in your TAM tomorrow. So it's just like slow down, hire some amazing people that are really bought in, get like the per SDR modeling and like productivity working, and then slowly layer in stuff like get the feedback loop all to come all the way around before you're doing more of the hiring. And also like, don't throw all the tools at people. I know some of the people listening to this podcast will hate that because they, they are trying to pitch their point solutions and stuff. But like, spreadsheets are okay. You know, um, you've, you've got a really expensive Salesforce or HubSpot instance, like let's start there. And mm-hmm. then like, let's make sure that you work with your RevOps partner to really make sure like we have a firm grasp of like how we're thinking about measuring the value and where they're doing it. Because the problem with like a lot of SDR organizations is like the sales leaders have a really, you know, they believe firmly that the SDRs are adding value, but they might have a really hard time justifying it to the board or elsewhere. So we need to think hard of like, how are we thinking about the value they add? Like, how do we think about it? The source for the meeting, the op, you name it. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, it's kind of the whole like, what came, what came first, the chicken or the egg in the sense of like, what comes first? Do we fix the foundational processes that are broken or 
do we hire more SDRs? Um, and it's like, if you're going to bring all these SDRs in and they're going to look at you and say, feed me right? <laughs> and you don't have anything to feed them with. And you're like, figure it out. Like that's a recipe for disaster in my opinion. And I've seen this happen a lot. I think there's like a wave coming through and maybe you can relate to this since you're, you have advisor agency, but where there is a wave of sales agencies Marketing is very used to just outsourcing to marketing agencies, but now we're starting to see a lot of sales agencies come in that yeah. have interim or fractional SDR managers, sales ops managers, VP, fractional VP uh, of sales or rev ops or whatnot. And they've done this, the consultants that have done this have done this for so many years that they just come in and set everything up for you. And then it's like, oh, that alleviates the pain of like, what, what should I do first? You can do both because you have, now you have a leader that's just temporary setting up the foundation and then someone else comes in as a replacement down the road to an already created foundation. You don't have to worry about training anybody. Have you heard of this yet? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's actually like why I started my business. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, the reason was, um, you know, I kept having recruiters or other people hit me up for what were like pretty like smaller roles. And I kept saying to themselves, I'm like, well, you know, I, I've done this over and over again. And I could help you stand up the program, um, create like a hiring profile, like a recruiting motion, like the onboarding process thereafter. I could show you what good looks like in terms of like the metrics and how we measure contribution, talk about like op, hand off the past process, um, and then like a promotion path or like a manage performance management program. I could stand up the whole thing. I could hire the manager and stuff, but like that's really the high level value. Once the machine is humming, like, you know, why don't we promote your top SDR or someone externally to take this on? Like I'm a little overkill for this 12 to 18 person team. Um, and so after a while, like some of these companies actually started yet saying yes to that. Um, and so I said, Maybe I could make a go of it. So um, I think so with that model, like I'm actually pretty supportive of it um, for sales, for SDR and other things, because um, a lot of these businesses are one really concerned about burn right now, kind of battening down the hatches. I don't really know when um, the Sassmageddon is going to wind down and, and, you know, good times come back. Um, and then secondly, like it just kind of like de-risks the situation. You know, you're not, you know, you're not dealing with like employer law, you're not paying payroll tax. Uh, maybe it really is a three month project. And then like, what do you do with a kind of senior person? It is really good timing for that. The stuff I'm a little more wary of is like outsourcing your SDR team um, or yes. to sellers and stuff like that. Cause I think, yes. yeah, no, no offense to people on the call that are maybe part of that, but I think they want, they, they are hard workers. They're earnest. They want to work with you. For however little training SDRs get internally at a business, they get even less so. And if you have a particularly technical product, it's just it's it's going to be really challenging to get the results out of that 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 you hope you you will get. Yeah, I agree. I think the only time you really use it is one if you have experience with them in previous, or two, you have like a playbook where it's like do these things, and once someone replies, we'll step in. And we'll have the conversations, right? Um, but it can be really scary, especially if you're like handing over all these contacts and you don't know what people are doing with them. There's probably a good place for it if you have like a smaller ASP product and you know what you actually just need is to get like maybe the TAM is very large, the ASP is low, and like you just need to here's the script against these people and do that. Like maybe that's appropriate. I think if you're going more upmarket or it's a really technical product, it's gonna be a little more fraught. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about scaling. We're talking about SDRs. Um, can you 
share with us um, an obstacle or obstacles that you faced while scaling sales organizations and the key lessons you took away from it? I think probably like the biggest lever to pull is like being really, really good at hiring both ICs and managers. If you haven't placed great leaders or you're not doing a good job, like developing them, getting them where you need to be, it's just like, it's it's just going to be like pushing a boat up a hill. You know, it's just like, it's, it's just, it's so hard. And so I think um, if you're a second or third line leader, like just getting really good at building this like long-term like Rolodex of people like in networking and stuff that you can bring in the organization when you're ready to do it. It's just so much better than, you know, just trying to get through like the billion like LinkedIn applications or people in your network for that day. Cause like at the end of the day, people quit their leader, uh, not the business. And so that's doubly more so for these SDRs. So having great leadership in place is important. I think also like a lot, a lot of times these businesses pride themselves on acting fast and doing these things, but HR business partners I've had have been a little reluctant to performance manage out with SDRs at the speed that is probably appropriate to. So it's not your fault. Like maybe it's a bad fit or this SDR isn't great for this technical of a product or you name it, but like you've, you've kind of decided like this isn't a great fit for them. You can probably have that conversational discussion like with the SDR in a, in a caring way. But I, I've had challenges a lot of times where you bring that to an HR business person and, and they're like comfortable dragging it out maybe another quarter, another two quarters. Well, if the average tenure of an SDR is 18 months, right? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You're using a lot of the lifespan when that seat can going to someone who's retiring quota for you. So I think just making sure you've got on the same page with your HR business partners and you're doing a great job bringing on people and a great partnership either with your recruiters or doing the recruiting directly, like those are probably like the very biggest levers you could pull to make sure you're operating in a great way. Yeah, I love that. So looking ahead, what are some trends that you are predicting that will help to shape the landscape of revenue ops in the near future? And we can relate it to, you know, sales organizations in that department as well. AI everything, obviously. (laughs) Obviously, I'm actually an AI. Did you know that this whole entire interview is just me AI? I'm not even a real person. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> what what tools am I excited about? Or I I think uh, this technology called meeting in person. I'm getting kind of excited about. Yeah. <gasps> <Same>. <laughs> I agree. It is a trend. Conf- in person conferences, like yes, meeting in person. I agree. Let's that is trending. If some of these businesses can. If some of these businesses can actually get like some AI tooling in the enterprise, I think it'll be pretty good. People that I've talked to behind closed doors that are in charge of tool procurement and stuff, they've been given a charter to to see like what can you do with AI? Can you bring on some tooling? Can you put that in our tech stack? And like most of these tools are not enterprise ready. They're not meeting the security validation. They're they're not ready to or like they haven't just been able to like really move the needle or, or generate value. Listening to a really cool podcast. Um, with uh, one of the product leaders, Intercom, on Invest Like the Best. Uh, great podcast, by the way. But um, he was just talking about like the limits of like AI and you know the, the cost of hallucinations and stuff like in their tech stack to customers and like how it matters. But they were talking about how they reduced the number of like support tickets by like twenty five percent amongst their customer bases that have adopted this AI. So I think like these tools, when they come to SDRs or to RevOps leaders or whomever, like there will be like 
lower value, like high run rate tasks that are in your stack that I, you know, it'll carve out like 10, 20, 30% of it. So, you know, I don't know what that's going to be for us RevOps leaders, but like there's some like low hanging fruit you're, you're thinking to yourself, like this is repetitive or I'm uploading this document every day or I'm doing this thing. Like it'll be really interesting, but yeah. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. And I, I think you make good points. Like there's so many benefits to it, but there's also so much unknown. Compliance is a huge one, even right. just recording without someone's knowledge or with someone's knowledge on the phone, like all these different states have different regulations and is AI, like, how do you know when someone's in that state, you know, mm-hmm. can't go back to their number. Like there's all of these things that I think some people just get overly excited about that we forget to say like, Oh, are we compliant? Like, I don't know. So I like that as an example. Um, so Stuart, if people have questions, but they want to continue the conversation, where can they find you? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn, um, Stuart Watson, um, or you can email me at Stuart at eastpeak.cc. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you'll have some of my contact information in the show notes, but yeah, if anyone wants to dork out about RevOps, um, SDR stuff, uh, give me a holler and let's chat. Awesome. And then I always ask this on the podcast, if you could give one piece of advice for the listeners from today's episode, what would it be? Hmm. I think just, uh, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing. So whether it's SDR or RevOps leader or whomever, like to use it in the context of an SDR, your job is not to make a phone call, craft an email. Your job is to have really high quality conversations with prospects and help them understand if there's a fit that they might benefit by being a partner with us. And so if you can keep that kind of first principles thinking as your North Star, it makes a lot of the decisions about what tooling you get, how you instrument the process, how you measure what good looks like, it, it falls from that instead of the cart leading the horse of, hey, we, we just want these many meetings. We we want to do this or this tool is cool. I think just a little more, I know it's a uh, overused first principles thinking, but just kind of thinking in that way, I, I think is huge. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate the conversation. All right, Brianna, have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much.